0: a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant be like his like his master if they have called the master of the house belzebul how much more will they malign those of the house of his household so have no fear of them for Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you is the dark, in the dark, utter uh, in the light, and what you hear whisper, proclaim upon the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell." <sighs> And are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me, Before men, I will also deny will uh, before my Father who is in heaven.
1: Go, Noah, go. Can we give her a round of applause? All right, if any kids wanna come up front to see better while I um, share a brief little message, you are welcome to. I do have something for you to look at. Um, Do you like my flowers? I'm really excited about my flowers. My kids are probably like, mom, stop talking about flowers. But look at these, y'all. Aren't they gorgeous? They smell like pickles, because this little fluffy yellow thing is dill. <laughs> Fun fact. All right, so we, um, Noah just read for us a really long scripture. And Jesus is kind of giving like a pep talk to his disciples and because he's about to send them out. He's going to send them out without him to teach and to heal and to do all the things that he's been doing. But he's not gonna be physically with them. And so he's telling them all the things about this mission that they're going on, that's you know t- telling them what it's gonna really be like. It's gonna be a little scary. People are probably not gonna be nice to you. Um, if they don't like me, they're really not gonna like you. Um, but in the middle of all of these things he's saying, he tells them not to worry. And he talks about birds. And when he talks about birds, he's actually reminding them of something that he said earlier when he reminded them to look at birds and flowers. And I thought it would be disruptive to bring a bird into the sanctuary this morning, and so I have flowers. Um, These flowers are from the Oak Church Garden, and these are exactly the kind of flowers that Jesus is talking about when he says, look at how the wildflowers grow. Um, Because these flowers have not been watered by anything other than rain. Um, some of them, we threw out some seeds. And some of them are from plants that we planted years ago. But a lot of these, we didn't even plant. They, the seeds um, from last year's flowers dropped, or maybe some birds brought them over. Um, but we have done very little to make these beautiful flowers the way that they are. But here they are. They're beautiful, Um, and so Jesus says, don't worry about what you're gonna wear, because look at how beautiful I make the flowers, and they're just weeds. I don't care about weeds like I care about you, and look at the, don't worry about where you're gonna live, because look at the birds. The birds have nests to live in, And it's because God takes care of them, and you're worth so much more to me than the birds. And so when Jesus mentions the sparrows in his pep talk, he's reminding them about this longer thing that he said earlier. Um, And I wonder if when the disciples went out, and they didn't have Jesus beside them, and they walked by a field of flowers, or they saw some birds flying in the air, I wonder if they were reminded that even though Jesus wasn't physically next to them, that God was with them and that God was taking care of them. And I hope that you will remember that when you look at these flowers and when you look at other flowers this summer, or maybe when you see a butterfly flutter by, or you see um, birds, that you'll remember that God loves you infinitely more than these things. And even if you can't see it, or notice it, that God is taking care of you um, even more abundantly than these flowers. All right, we're going to pray real quick, and then Chris is going to come up. God, thank you for loving us and for taking care of us and for surrounding us with so much beauty in the natural world that reminds us of your creativity and your love and your care for us. Amen. All right, thanks. You guys can go back to your seats.
2: Sometimes it feels like the lectionary passages, like all of a sudden, re- regress to the mean of weirdness. Like they try to screen all of that out, and then all of a sudden, you get a passage like this. But that's also an invitation to pay attention, because um, these are often the passages that we don't really know what to do with, so we just breeze by and get to something that sounds a little better or feels a little better. Um, Do you all ever find there are these like scripture phrases that just kind of jut out in your brain in strange ways at strange times? Um, This morning, St. Paul's promise to the Philippians um, does that we would have the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Um, It comes to mind in this messy and strange passage, because frankly, like this peace of God in this passage is really eluded by (laughs) understanding this week. So Matthew is recording Jesus' interaction with his disciples in the midst of a threat. He's trying to keep the band together as they start to face resistance. His words are kind of laced with irony uh, since it will actually be suffering and eventually death that the ministry of Jesus will culminate in and, and will be characterized by. In being scorned and in dying an awful death not dissimilar to a lynching, Jesus is actually winning, not losing. So this is going to take a lot of time, some relearning, some explanation to get all on the same page here. Jesus' friends who have been following him around like this ragtag rabbi, listening to what he's saying, watching what he's doing, they need to learn quite a bit. And we're still early on in Matthew's telling of the good news. They need to learn about the medium. They need to learn about the message that they've enrolled in. In our passage today, seems like some of them are having second thoughts and wondering if the drop ad period is still open and they can change curricula. But this is peace. This is peace that surpasses their and our understanding. You see, inherent in Jesus' words, we we find this sort of friction, this kind of dissonance, this uneasiness that is actually the practice and way of peace. Following Jesus' death and resurrection, St. Paul is able to summarize this kind of peace in Ephesians. There's somehow this mysterious new logic at play. He says, you were saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. And then later he says, whereas you were once aliens and strangers and those without hope or without God, now we've each and all been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He says, Christ is our peace. He broke down the dividing wall of hostility between us and made us one. It's really fascinating to get to fast forward through his followers' perplexity to see that Jesus is not only making peace, but Jesus is our peace, capital P, peace. And that this peace, for them, I think it felt threatening. It felt destructive. Sometimes peace can be destructive before it has to be constructive. Before Jesus can build something beautiful in our lives and in our communities, there's often a sledgehammer and sometimes there's a pardon our dust sign. This is peace. Just beyond our grip. Not necessarily how we thought it would have happened or should happen. In our passage, we see Jesus relativizing some pretty important things, and Noah kind of clipped it off. He, he's, he's speaking to their desire for safety, but he's also speaking to their value of family, their desire for good reputation. This is that awkward moment in the intergenerational sermon where you have to mention, and hope the kids aren't totally tuned in, that Jesus sometimes thinks that you shouldn't like listen to your parents. Like Sometimes Jesus even says that. He says, Mother will turn against daughter and daughter and in-laws, and there's this whole tangle of what's happening here, and the, the family is breaking down. Sure, the normal pattern holds. We see Jesus actually includes his mother Mary in his ministry. Think of Cana and the turning of water into wine where Mary is kind of doing that mom thing where she says, listen to this guy, and like elbows Jesus to say, you're going to do that thing, right? But Mary's also included as, Jesus, as one of Jesus' followers at the foot of the cross. And, and Jesus is then the one gesturing to the beloved John, saying, John, this is your mother. Mary, this is your son in my place. All that to say, family is great to Jesus, but it's not the end-all, be-all. In fact, Jesus' whole imagination for family is actually more expansive and a little more loosey-goosey than we often uh, imagine it. Just a couple chapters later in Matthew's Gospel, the message version says, Jesus um, says, who do you think my mother and brothers are? And then he stretched out his hand, gestures broadly is kind of what is happening. He says, look closely. These are my mother and brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly father's will is my brother and sister and mother. So in Jesus, we see this new construction of peace. Jesus sets before us the opposite kind of peace that we were hoping for. We want like a predictable and a safe piece, safety bubble wrapped and conflict-free, quick-moving and earth-shaking. But the peace that Jesus is bringing is simple, and it's slow, and it is small. It is simple, it is slow, and it is small. He tells them, <laughs> the sparrows are worth a penny, and you're worth more than many sparrows. Should that be comforting from Jesus. More than many pennies, right? But in that line, he's saying, you have neither, you and all of us together, neither have escaped God's vision or God's care. God sees us, God knows us, God cares about us. You are worth more than many sparrows. Rest in that place of peace that comes from outside of us. That doesn't look like we thought peace should look like. Peace sometimes looks messy and feels tense. Katie sang that Bonhoeffer song, which I love. Um, this is really nerdy, but if you go on the YouTubes and find a German version of that song, which is a toze chant, there is this like really long, kind of drawn-out breath and pause in that last line. Lord, you do not know the way, and there's like beat, beat, beat. be singing the resolution to this, and it just hangs, and it hangs, and it hangs, but you know the way for me. That's this kind of peace that Jesus brings. It looks messy. It feels tense. It takes entirely longer than we want or expect it to. This is a really good reminder to me right now and to us. We're kind of coming to an end. There's a light in the tunnel to this too long season of uncertainty and transition and attempting to figure out where and how we will be as a church. And in the meantime, there, I have to admit, I've had some pretty unpeaceful thoughts at times. It's a reminder that peace, though, can happen, should happen, will happen in the midst of uncertainty and squalor and threat. Remember the line, uh, it makes me remember the line at the end of a Christian Wyman poem. He says that uh, peace comes to the hinterlands of our minds, too remote to know, but peace nonetheless. Uh, this peace in the middle of nowhere from nowhere. If that's some of what you're feeling today or have been feeling, here the good news. Jesus is making peace. Peace in the midst of tension and rubble, and you are included in it. Don't run from it. Don't mute it. Stay by Jesus's side in this peacemaking. So much of Jesus's peace is rearranging, reorienting our lives to God, transforming us by the renewing of our minds from the rote patterns of the world. There, in Jesus's words... Is also an acknowledgement that this can feel excruciating. That's at the end of that passage. He talks about the cross. It It is exactly the cross that we're supposed to take up, not set aside, not run away from. We're to become slowly over time and with a lot of trial and error the sorts of people who can take up a cross of suffering. This means that the goal for our lives, and the disciples are are asking all the, all the, the right and wrong questions. The goal for our lives becomes not survival or intactness or even popularity or even having a posse. Rather, the goal for our lives is discipleship. Learning from and fidelity to Jesus. That's it. The willingness and ability to suffer well, knowing that any suffering we taste, Jesus has already known in any situation we encounter, Jesus is right beside us. Actually, right before us. Right now I'm I'm like kind of cathartically like packing slowly my office next door that Pastor Meg and I work out of. And the last thing probably that will go is this framed print above my doorway. I think we have a picture. Uh, well, not that one. Uh, <laughs> it, is kind of li- it is kind of my like Ted Lasso mantra. <laughs> um, this, is the, this is still over there. And this is a direct refutation of a Silicon Valley ethos of move fast and break things, right? We're all starting to see how that works. <laughs> Um, instead, it is move slow and mend things. And this feels like kind of in a in a tidy print and motto, uh, what Jesus is about when Jesus is bringing peace. This is actually Jesus's invitation to us, individually and collectively, that we should set about the long work of peacemaking, of mending and being mended together. This wholeness can only come through Christ who is peacemaking a way for us, with each other, with ourselves, in this beautiful and broken world. And, and Jesus is giving us an imagination for working this slow peacemaking in the neighborhood too. I'm so excited um, to embark on that with y'all, and, and it feels like we're, we're starting that work of imagining peacemaking just even on a different corner of the neighborhood where there are already so many gifts. There's already so much struggle. There is already so much joy and beauty. There is so much pain and grief. So it's my prayer that we continue to lean into this peace that is just beyond us. We don't possess it. We don't carry that peace with us, but it is beyond our understanding. It comes from outside of us. It's even sometimes confusing to us that we can trust that God's Spirit will continue to make us whole, that God's Spirit will make us one, and that we'll walk with Jesus who bore the cross so that we can and rose from the dead so that we will. This is good news, friends. Will you all pray with me? Jesus, we give you thanks. Uh, We give you thanks for sometimes uh, bewildering us. We give you thanks for for your good news that includes us. Uh, We give you thanks for making peace even when it is messy and disruptive. Uh, Lord, make us instruments of your peace.